What's up, Freedom Chasers? Today, we have the Financial and Location Independence Ninja on, and he's going to show us how to find deals and how to find funding for deals. He has a portfolio of about $40 million right now, and he's also passionate about location independence. He owns properties in Colorado, South Padre Island, Texas, and Nashville, as well as a camper that he likes to go vagabonding in. And we're gonna show you exactly how he accomplished this right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, meet Ryan Stackhouse. He's from CashflowToFreeAcademy.com. Nope, CashflowToFreedomAcademy.com. Dad, husband, world traveler, real estate investor, musician, hiker, diver, cyclist, friend, and voracious weed reader. <laughs> Man, Ryan Stackhouse, I'm st I'm stoked to have this interview just because you have so many different passions. But we're going to start off a little intentional here. Let's talk property acquisition on the front end. Let's talk about your acquisition strategies, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into it. Thanks so much for having me on. As far as acquisition strategy. You know, it started back in my 20s. I would connect with wholesalers before they officially called themselves wholesalers. And we started, you know, doing the burr strategy before it was tagged as burr strategy and uh, developed a network of people selling stuff off the market. And that kind of turned into a network of realtors and brokers that specialize in working with investors. So now that we're doing, um, you know, larger scale commercial acquisition, we work with these young, hungry brokers in the commercial world. And essentially, um, these guys, you know, they're, they're typically in their late 20s, early 30s. They're out there hustling, finding us deals. And, you know, I think the most important uh, piece of, advice that I can give anyone out there when they're looking for deals and they're working with whether it's wholesalers or brokers or realtors is to define your criteria really specifically. So you can, anytime you're, you're, you're getting leads um, from your sources, you can quickly define whether that's a deal or it's not a deal. And you take emotion completely out of the, the whole equation. And I think it's really important to take emotion out of the equation because what I've found is you know, in the past, I would love like sexy properties, having Airbnbs in Nashville that my friends thought were cool, but those didn't pay the bills like my, you know, brick uh, looks like a prison, you know, fences around it. And it's an AT&T service center in Chattanooga, Tennessee that pays, you know, cash flow after bills is 7100 a month. I don't care what that building looks like as long as it pays me 7100 $7 a month when I sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. These days, um, the, the, the real like 10,000 foot view for finding deals is it's all about networking and it's finding people that are like-minded and that are young and hungry and just really, really getting uh, granular on your criteria. Absolutely, man. 100% agreed. There's nothing that's going to take you further in life than having a strong network will. So I love to ask anybody that brings up networking as a primary strategy, like what is your preferred strategy to meet these young and hungry folks? Yeah, so I think the best way that we have found to meet um, new brokers, one would be finding the local RIA meetings. 
the real estate investor meetings and going to those and networking with people in the markets that I'm interested in. Um, another method has been, you know, in the commercial world, getting on LoopNet or Crexy or uh, CoStar, whatever the, you know, your given platform is, but, you know, LoopNet's free. And basically plugging in in the filter your criteria for the types of properties that you want to buy, finding some deals that pop up, and then calling those brokers and telling them your criteria. With enough phone calls, you're going you're gonna to inevitably meet a broker that's young and hungry that's going, hey, this is another dude that, you know, you, I, I show them our schedule of real estate owned. I show them, you know, the deals that we've closed. And they're like, holy crap, this guy's a closer. He can get stuff done. And I'll introduce him to my business partner. And we're off and running. You know, they're sending us deals. And, you know, as with any uh, wholesaler or, or realtor or broker, if they're really hungry, they're going to keep sending deals. We're going to keep refining that criteria. It may burn out and fizzle out if they get tired of me saying, no, that doesn't work. No, that cap rate's too low. No, you know, I don't like that type of property. But I, I find that the ones that are hungry, they keep refining the criteria with me and they stick with me and keep sending me deals. And we just developed a stronger, you know, stronger and stronger bond over time. Absolutely, man. Without a doubt, it's a numbers game like most things. If you talk to enough people, you're going to find the person that you're looking for. So just keep on trying. It's a matter of churning and, and so on and so forth. You mentioned something very, very important earlier, like having a buy box and sticking to it. So I'd love to know what your buy box looks like. Yeah. So typically for us, um, we're looking in the $3 million to $7 million range for commercial. And we're looking in medical telecommunications and industrial and specifically industrial it has to be a corporate credit tenant that's uh pretty pretty stable good financials um so that's that's our buy box we start in an eight cap um and go up from there we love leases that are you know five years or more with renewals built in but we look for opportunities too so Sometimes we'll buy if there's three years left on the, the lease and we know that they've invested a million dollars in the building and they've got plenty of, uh, you know, liquidity and they love the location. And if it's medical and they've got a license, it's hard for them to transfer that license to another location. So we know it's very likely they're going to stay. So that's kind of our buyer box with the, the commercial stuff. Um, you know, with the lifestyle assets, like our personal properties, that differs from time to time. But typically, I wanted to cover, you know, cover the note. So if we're living in it, and we're not, we're gone for six months, I wanted to cover the note while I'm gone, you know. Yeah, man, I'm loving this. So I would love your perspective on this, because, you know, most people investing in real estate, they're buying single family. And then, you know, the next step is usually multifamily. And what you're doing is the triple net leases. You're looking for corporate renters, which tend to be longer term. And obviously, they tend to be more consistent, right? So for anybody that's afraid to get into this commercial space, like, what would you say to them? So I would say, I get this question often, Ryan, how do you mitigate risk when you've got a you know, a singular tenant in there for a $4 million building, what if they move out? And the answer to that is there's so many factors to mitigate risk. And the checklist of those is one, getting the financials of the tenant, looking at their financials is critical. Having your banker look at those financials with you is even more critical because you're going to learn a lot from your banker underwriting that deal and underwriting that credit tenant. They're going to tell you, Hey, I looked up their financials 
on public records and their financials that they've been reporting are very, very solid. They've been growing year over year for the last five years. That's huge because that, that gives you sort of an inside uh, look into that company and how a bank underwrites the deal. In addition to that, we look for paths to progress. We look for tertiary markets to really popular cities or popular markets and buying in those tertiary kind of ripple areas outside of those or just on the edge of those, on the cusp of those. That way we know the dirt's worth uh, quite a bit, even if the tenant were to leave. Um, thirdly, um, the, the lease structures. The lease structures are very telling. You know, if they're guaranteeing it with a corporate guarantee, even if they vacate the building, the corporation's going to pay the lease regardless. So, you know, a triple net lease or our favorite absolute net lease where they cover everything. Um, right now we're buying two buildings that are absolute net lease with 10-year leases. So we have zero landlord responsibility other than paying a mortgage. The tenant takes care of everything. So it's pretty much a no-brainer. You know, these are corporations with huge assets, huge financials. They're paying everything. So for us, you know, hold it five, six years, sell it with four or five years left on the lease. We're still making quite a bit of money, 1031 exchange into something else, do it again and again and again, and we're front-loading depreciation. Um, we did, so to kind of back up a little bit, we did go from single family to multifamily and hotels, then to triple net lease. So we did kind of take that natural progression, but we learned like the cost seg study and front-loaded depreciation from the multifamily world. And then now, you know, through, through that other tax strategies, you know, that we employ like deferred sales trust and 1031 exchanges to avoid capital gains when we do sell, which gives us a lot of options to be able to, you know, uh, deploy the capital from the sale, but not, you know, with the deferred sales trust, not have that 45 day window to locate something. Um, we do prefer the 1031 because it defers depreciation as well, but the deferred sales trust is a good backup option. Absolutely, man. I'm loving how dense this is right now. So thank you for your, your answers. They've been great. Um, so the sure. next question I have for you, obviously you're looking at some pretty big buys here. Your buy box is three to 7 million. So what are you doing to lock up the funding on something like that? Great question. Um, so we've got a cadre of commercial brokers that we work with, and those guys cover basically the all the lower 48 states. And Essentially, what they do is they these guys have relationships with banks all over the country. So a lot of times when we're buying, like we're buying a property right now in Texas and one in Florida. And one's a, the Florida one's a drug rehab facility. The Texas one is in the Permian Basin in West Texas, and it's an environmental cleanup and reporting company. Um, so industrial building and a medical building. Um, so essentially what we're doing is we're engaging those commercial brokers. Um, we're also engaging our relationships that we had previously as well. We've got banking relationships that we've worked with so far on acquiring properties that we, ha we have currently. So we'll engage those banks that we have current funding with. And once in a while, they'll bite on something new. We own two other properties in Odessa where we're buying this West Texas property. So our bank out of Nashville had a buy box for it they, or had a funding box for it. So they're funding that deal. They're out of Nashville, but because of our relationship with them, they decided to um, fund the deal. And that's, I'll, I'll stop there and, and, and kind of reiterate that banking relationships are, are critical. And the more you invest in your relationship with that bank through depository relationships and, you know, doing your car loan through there and your house loan through there, 
the more that bank is going to get outside of their box and lend for you for relationship banking. Um, we have all of our LLCs minus maybe two or three of them, you know, for, for two or three different properties. Um, the rest of them are all with that bank in Nashville. So we've got deposits, you know, in excess of 700000 with them in cash. So they're more prone to lend to us, right? They're more prone to do things that are outside the box. Um, the Florida one, our commercial broker knocked it out of the park. He found us, you know, really good rates, 25-year amortization, 5.75% interest rate, which is low right now for commercial financing. And there's no prepay. Uh, it's locked for seven years, I believe it is. Um, so, you know, just knocked it out of the park on that one. And that one's like a nine and a quarter cap rate. So our spread on that's really good. And we did a 1031 exchange. So that that's a winded uh, explanation. but Honestly, it's commercial brokers and then banking relationships that we had in the past. And the banking relationships are pretty easy. You just pick up the phone and start calling people and you'll like like we were talking about before, it's a numbers game. When you when you find those banks you really connect with, go go grab coffee with them, go get lunch with them, go have beers with them and connect with these bankers cuz just like any other industry, you're going to have buddies that exist in all facets of of this real estate world of investing. You know, I've got buddies that are, you know, the selling brokers. I've got buddies that are lenders, buddies that are, you know, my my 1031 intermediary attorney and my, you know, every aspect of it. They're they're they become buddies, you know. Absolutely, man. Um, I love the cadre of brokers. So like anybody listening that doesn't know what that word means, it's a military term. It's like a brotherhood of really highly skilled individuals. We actually, we interviewed somebody that has a course called the cadre concept. And it's a matter of building a, a group of people that are highly skilled that are assisting each other. Um, so I love that you threw that word out there. It's a great word. Relationships in general, when you're in the real estate business, there, there's really nothing that's more powerful than a strong relationship with the right person. So I love that answer, man. Thank you so much for that. Um, sure. I know you're passionate about teaching other people. So let's talk about your coaching program a little bit. Cause I mean, obviously we're talking some high level stuff here. So like, how do you walk people through it? Yeah. So we've got a course at www.cashflowtofreedomacademy.com. And this is, I'm a, I'm about the least salesy person there is. Um, it's, it's out there. We've got a course that's self-directed. It's very affordable for you, for your listeners. Um, on there, typically it's 5K for your listeners. For anybody that wanted to sign up, we'll do a 3K. We'll honor 3K for the course. Um, we do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. It's very limited, but um, that's that's a bit more expensive. Um, but you know, the the one-on-one, -on -one, we help people raise money. We help sponsor them. You know, with a loan. Like it's there's a lot more to it than just one-on-one -on -one, uh, accountability. But essentially. We're really passionate. My business partner and I are really passionate about this because it's gotten us to a place of, of time, financial, and location independence. So we don't answer to any boss. We don't, you know, there's no ties to any uh, particular location other than family that keep us in one place at any given time. My business partner, he's got a place down in Florida and a place in Nashville. His wife's a songwriter, very successful one. Um, so he's all over the place. I'm all over the place. There's times where he's in Greece, I'm in Mexico, or I'm in Galapagos Islands diving, and we're, we're you know, on Skype going, hey, what's going on, dude? Where are you at? Where are you at? <laughs> and uh, 
that's the beauty of this stuff is when you build it, you know, and, and sort of when you back into the lifestyle design, you can build this however you want, you know, it can be become whatever you want. And so our goal is to teach other people how to do that, because I'm a firm believer that if you have financial independence, you have the ability to take that stressor off your table. You know, I've got a, and an, my oldest son, he's seven. He's got a health condition where we have to go back to Denver Children's Hospital every three months. I'm grateful that I have the financial resources. I'm grateful that I have a good insurance plan that I can afford. I'm grateful that there's no emergency that we can't take care of that's not going to bankrupt us, right? Um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to hop on a plane whenever I need to, to go wherever I need to go, whether it's for pleasure or health or business, you know? Um, when we take those things off our plate, it dramatically reduces our stress level. It improves our relationship. It improves who we are as people. I read for pleasure now. I love to read. I'm a voracious reader. So I'm constantly learning new things. I joke about this with my friends. I'm like, sometimes I do my own PhD program because I just get, I go down rabbit holes of learning things and I'll just read voraciously for a year about a certain topic. And then I come up for air and I'm like, holy crap, dude, that was like a PhD course. <laughs> so that's what I'm passionate about this for, um, for that. And then also with the proceeds, we donate 100% to charity. I've got two organizations, all the proceeds from the coaching, I donate to charities that are based in Honduras, Haiti, and Mexico. So I'm passionate about helping people with much, much less means than me as well. So that's amazing. So not only are you helping people find financial freedom and location independence, but you're taking the income that you generate from that and you're donating that to charity. Um, that's fantastic. Yep. I'd like to dive into the course just a little bit, and then we'll talk more about the fun stuff that you're doing. Um, so what do they get when they buy the course? Is it, I'm guessing you're going to be leaning towards what your niche is now, which is the triple net leases. Is that what they're going to be learning in the course? Yeah, we focused on the triple net lease properties, <clears throat> how to find them, how to find brokers, how to underwrite the deals, um, how to deal do a deal from start to finish. We also teach in there how to raise money legally. Um, that's something that not a lot of people teach um, is how to comply with the Securities and Exchange Commission and raise money the correct way. So we focus on that. We also open up our Rolodex of our whole team that we've built that's taken us 10 years to build. And we open that up to our students. Um, my partner and I think in abundance. We think in terms of, you know, we're giving this away because we firmly believe that, you know, if we can give a plug and play, uh, you know, option out there, that's going to lead people to take action a lot, a lot quicker and a lot easier. And, um, you know, if our partners that we refer them to get more business and have to hire more people, that's not a bad thing, right? <laughs> we're helping them out too, and they're they're doing a good job for us. So. We, we break it down nuts and bolts, how to um, start by, you know, raising money, um, finding deals, financing the deals. Um, once you close the deal, how to manage the deal, how to do distributions. We give templates for our slide decks that we present, a template for a personal financial statement and how to fill it out, a template for a schedule of real estate owned so they know how to fill that out, uh, a template for a real estate resume. Um, we've got you know, all the legal parameters um, covered as well. So basically from soup to nuts, 19 plus hours of how to do these deals. And the reason we're, we're, we're so focused on triple net is because we've spent our careers doing single family duplexes, triplexes, quads, 
multifamily, 20, 25, 45, 60, 100 units, uh, hotels, um, storage, um, everything else. I'm not, those asset classes are great. There's lots of people that have made lots of money doing those. We just found that if we're going to own those, we have to have large teams with lots of employees. Um, if we wanted to be truly location independent without a ton of employees and uh, financially free with sort of like a comparison between stocks and bonds, um, you know, when, when older people tend to get in their older age, they tend to switch from stocks to bonds, so their investments are less volatile. We went to triple net lease because of that very reason. It's very predictable, steady income. Our only expense is the, um, the mortgage payment. And, you know, on a triple net, it may be the roof, the landscape, and the parking lot. If we know what those costs to maintain, we set those aside as reserves. And then our only, you know, expense is the mortgage and those items. And everything else is very predictable. So we know what the spread's going to be. On absolute net lease, it's even easier. It's just the rent mortgage. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so we know exactly what the income is going to be and we can predict the cash flow. Absolutely, man. Um, so I'd like to qualify anybody listening just in case, like, is this beginner friendly? Because obviously this is a higher level strategy. Number one, is it beginner friendly? Is there a minimum net worth or credit rating or anything like that that you think would be relevant? Um, I would say it's probably not super beginner. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I would recommend it to, to folks that have done some deals before, maybe that have done residential and gotten a taste for that and understand that it can be difficult and understand that managing tenants is hard. <laughs> and they, they get an appreciation for the work that goes into that. And then, you know, they've got some equity and they've got some capital on the sidelines to deploy. Um, I would say as far as qualifications, as far as net worth, um, it's good to have somewhere between fifty to a hundred thousand on the sidelines just for earnest money, appraisals, things like that up front. Now, the cool thing about this is a lot of people, a lot of students that come to us, they go, Ryan, I got like seventy five thousand sitting on the sidelines, but what happens after I do the first deal? All my money's in that deal. Well, what we teach is to raise enough money to pay yourself back for that earnest money up front. So when you close, you get all your upfront money back you've got enough money in reserves you've got the down payment you funded fully funded the deal and now you can go do your next deal because you paid yourself back and you just recycle that money you know everything in wealth is about the velocity of money how quickly can we get our initial seed money back and invest in the next deal so we can just continue to duplicate income over and over and over Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. So thank you for clarifying that. Just so the audience knows, this is not beginner. You need a little bit of money, but you could recycle that money over and over again. And, and Ryan is, is happy to show you how to do so. So Ryan, like this is where it gets fun, man. I'm, I'm loving how passionate you are about outdoor activities and location independence. So I think a lot of people, when they get into real estate, they focus on financial freedom, which is important. Obviously, you want to get to financial freedom, but ultimately, you want to find fulfillment and happiness in life. And so I would love for you to give me the pitch. Like, why should people be thinking not only about financial freedom, but also location independence and, and thinking about fulfillment a little bit more than money? Because money's great and all, but, you know, if you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to love your life. So, like, just give me your pitch on location independence. Yeah, you know... My my dream is probably not everyone's dream, but I think location independence 
or just the ability to pick up and buy a plane ticket whenever you want is important because, you know, in our lives, um, you know, for me, we talked about this when we were starting the show. You're in Chicago. I grew up in northern Indiana. Chicago was my big city that I went to to go to baseball games, you know, Cubs games or White Sox games or the Bulls or the Bears, you know. I didn't I wasn't a Colts fan, I was a Bears fan. So, you know, for me, um, you know, now that I live in other parts of the country, my grandma unfortunately passed away about a month ago and um well, three three and a half weeks ago. So I got the call last minute. I was able to book a plane quickly, a plane ticket. My wife and I flew up there for the viewing, for the funeral. We turned around the next day, flew back, and then flew to Mexico two, uh, a day later for our Christmas with our, our uh, my in-laws for that family. So I was able to you know, be very flexible with my schedule. Didn't have to take time off and call a boss. Didn't have to you know, worry about that stuff. I was there for my family. I was able to be there for my family immediately at the drop of a hat. And, you know, I called my uncle and I said, do you need me there before that? I'll happily, you know, go up there and help out whatever you need. Just let me know. And that that's the case with, there's so many times that I've been able to, you know, a friend will call me and say, hey man, I'm going through a really rough time. Can we, can we hang out, you know? And I'll drop everything and I'll hop on the phone, you know? There's so much, this, in today's society, there's so much mental health crises that, you know, reaching out to our friends and our family and just checking in with them, you know, and being able to do that for people and being able to be there, you know, for my spouse and my kids daily, every day, I get to show up and be here. And same for myself, I get to show up for myself. And I think all of that, that time freedom is so important for happiness. And it's so important because we live in this world of, you know, go, 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 you know, and, you know, acquire, acquire, acquire. And, you know, you, you get to a certain point where when you've reached your goals and you've kind of sort of run your race and won your race, you know, I want to continue challenging myself and growing, but I am perfectly happy. And there's a lot of times where I go, how much is enough? You know, like truly how much is enough? Because, you know, to be a, a billionaire is not something that interests me because I know what, what kind of sacrifice Elon Musk makes with his family and his friends to be a billionaire. I don't have any interest in being that. I have interest in being present with my kids every day so my kids know me. I have interest in being a good friend to people and helping people achieve what they're after and being boots on the ground in Haiti, Honduras, Mexico, and helping people change their, their lives when they were born into an opportunity you know, lack of opportunity. Absolutely. I love how in-depth you got there. So I'm curious, Ryan, like what does your day-to-day -day tend to look like? So I'm not a super early riser. I used to be. Uh, my dad, <laughs> my dad's a builder and he used to give me so much crap. I'd sleep in. Now I sleep in until probably 7, 7.30. And then I wake up when, I, when my body tells me to wake up and I kind of go to bed at 12, 12.30 sometimes one, you know, I love to read. I love to watch documentaries. I love, I, I get stuck on, you know, certain series, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's when I wake up. I, um, I'll start doing uh, calls or meetings. Um, I typically limit my day to two, maybe three calls at most. And I try not to work more than eh, 15, 20 hours a week at most. Um, you know, work, <laughs> um, 
some weeks it's only five hours, some weeks it's 20 hours, you know, but I, but I really, I really carve out time with the family and to do the things that I really enjoy. I'm here on an island, so I love to paddleboard. I love to walk on the beach. I love to fish. I love to, you know, ride my one wheel on the beach. Uh, you know, I got a fat tire bike I love to ride on the beach. So I love to, I love the outdoors, as you alluded to earlier. I love being outside. I think, you know, there's a phrase from a friend of mine, and it's get outside, get happy. And I truly believe that a lot of ailments that we have in our head, mental health, can be solved by just getting outside and moving, breathing air, moving, exercising. And so I try to do that every single day in some capacity. Absolutely. You're totally right about that. I mean, it's actually proven, you know, getting sunlight alone, especially early morning sunlight will actually alleviate, alleviate a lot of men. I mean, it's not going to cure anything, right? But I mean, it'll help a lot. Um, just getting that extra vitamin D at the right time of the day. And on top of that, you know, exercise, moving around, like you can't be sedentary all the time. You're, you're going to ruin your health that way. Um, Yep. Very great stuff. I, I usually try to stray away from this question because it's so cliche, but um, not everybody comes in saying that they're getting uh, PhDs through all the books that they're reading. They don't tend <laughs> to use uh, the word voracious when they're reading. So, I mean, I'd love to know, like, um, I'm guessing you probably don't have a favorite, favorite book, but give me a couple books to recommend to the audience based on your um, reading library. Yeah. So I think my latest favorite book is called The Lifestyle Investor. And it, it's very much related to creating passive income that allows you to live your best life, you know, whatever your best life looks like, you know. Um, there's another book um, called Your Money or Your Life. Um, and there's Scott Trench wrote a book called Set for Life. Those books are really great mindset books for how to get your head into the right zone of what do I need to be free and what does freedom look like for me? You know, what is what is living my dream life really look like? Those are some of my favorites. I mean, there's always, um, you know, Think and Grow Rich and, you know, all, all those like classic books and, the, you know, the cash flow quadrants and, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all those. There's there's a myriad of those and they're, they're great. But I think those mindset books like Lifestyle Investor are so critical to an investor that needs a really strong why. And I think to do this stuff, it's hard. This stuff is hard, you know? It's not easy to learn this stuff and just go out there and start, you know, forging your way in the world in commercial real estate or even, you know, these days, residential real estate. Residential real estate is expensive these days. So I think it's really important to have a very clear why and remind yourself of that daily because that grind, <laughs> it's going to be a grind. There's going to be days you're waking up, you're going, man, this sucks. Why am I doing this? You know, I, now I got to replace these toilets and I got to replace this water heater and I got to flip this house so I can rent it out again. And oh, by the way, I got to take this tenant to court to get these back rent payments. You know, there's days it's going to suck wind, but your clear why keeps you doing it, keeps you on that path to have that fire in your belly. Absolutely. The reason I asked is because I was suspecting I was going to get a couple new books and I did. So I'm pumped up for that. Um, thank you for sharing. I think you're so right about the why thing. So, I mean, originally I was told like the seven layers deep with your why. 
And then somebody else introduced the concept to me, like the infinite why, like see how deep you can go. See if you could go a hundred layers deep because the why is everything. As you said, this is not easy. It's simple most of the time, but it's not easy. And, you know, we're essentially in the problem solving business. Like there's going to be problems, but, you know, eventually you get used to most of them and, and, and it's just, you know, every problem has a solution and that's important. Um, Ryan, I, we love this question and I think you're going to have a great answer. Um, like if you had a billion dollars and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow every month, what would you be doing with your time? Oh man, that's a, that's a really good one and a really big one. Um, you know, I think I'd probably be setting up foundations to teach young people, um, specifically high schoolers, college kids, these financial tools that I've learned. I would probably set up some sort of free or low cost um, university or some sort of learning platform where I could just give this information away constantly with teachers and you know uh, instructors that really could be hands on to teach you know really specifically I'm passionate about inner city kids you know people that were born into a circumstance they didn't choose you know all of us are born into circumstances we don't choose some of us are just more fortunate than others right so teaching these inner city kids and people born into extreme poverty how to get a leg up and get out of that and develop you know a financial uh, literacy that gives them tools for the rest of their life so they can expound upon that and teach their kids and have a totally different future, you know, than, than what maybe generations before them have had. Absolutely, man. I knew I was going to get a philanthropic answer. So that's why I wanted to make sure I got that one in there. Um, Ryan, man, we just hit New Year's. So um, what are your goals for the year? I mean, it's three weeks into the year, so I guess we didn't just hit it. But like, what are your goals for 2023? What's your vision for the year? So we're trying to hit um, we're trying to hit 15 million in acquisitions this year. Um, that's the goal. And within two years, we're trying to hit 50,000 in passive income. Um, we're only about 10, 11 grand away from that. And the goal in five years is to hit 100 grand in passive income. Um, which would lead to so many philanthropic opportunities. You know, I certainly don't need that much money and I certainly don't need 50 grand a month either, but it affords a lot of opportunities, a lot of generosity that I'm able to to do. So that's, that's what we're shooting for. As far as travel, you know, it, it changes every month and every day. <laughs> um, to scuba dive as much as possible, to put as many miles on my bike as I can, walk, enjoy the day, appreciate my health, you know, wake up grateful, all those things. Absolutely tremendous stuff, man. So anyways, for the, for the audience, man, anybody listening right now, maybe they have a little cash and they got a little bit of experience and they're resonating with your story, like it's resonating with me. How would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, there's a myriad of ways of, of reaching me, but probably the best one is email. Uh, my email address is rl, r is in Ryan, l is in Lee, Stackhouse, that's just like it sounds, S-T-A-C-K-H-O-U-S-E, 1979, my birth year, at gmail.com. So R-L Stackhouse, 1979, at gmail.com. You can reach out on Facebook. I'm Ryan Stackhouse. You'll see me um, with two blonde boys below it um, on Facebook. Um, you'll see in my signature, too, it says real estate investor, speaker, musician. 
Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm RL Stackhouse on there. Uh, what else? Oh, on the website too, cashflowtofreedomacademy.com. Um, you can reach out that way as well. Those are kind of the main platforms. Most people reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram and shoot me a DM or, you know, a message, and then we connect on, on the phone as well. And I'm on WhatsApp, <laughs> all, all the other apps too. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right, man. Um, Ryan Stackhouse, the financial and location independence ninja, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and commit to taking at least one action that you've learned from this episode and do so in the next seven days. Tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.